But I am going to share, you, share with you uh, tonight, this morning and tonight a message that I feel like is one of my just life messages. The Lord has been working since I was a very young woman, has been working these truths into my life, and I just want to do, do my best to, uh, to share a little bit about that with you. So I'm going to uh, teach you a new word. Do I have a slide? Is it up there? There you go. I'm going to teach you a new word, altered, uh, and uh, you have to spell it wrong to get it right. So, but I'll unpack that a little bit today. Let's start like this. Jesus made this promise that uh, one day, though I had read it all my life, uh, one day I read it and it just hit me funny. He says, uh, my burden is light. Now, when you think about that, what qualifies something as a burden? The fact that it's heavy, am I right? So he, so he doesn't say, there'll be no burdens. He says, my burden is light. So I, I begin to, uh, uh, to think about that. What in the, in the material realm, in the earthly realm in which we live, what makes something heavy? gravity. And, and the bigger it is, the more mass it has, the more gravity it produces, so that's where we get the bigger they are, the harder they fall. <laughs> so now I'm thinking about this scene. Jesus, my burden is light. So imagine this scene with me. Here I am, and here's a huge boulder, and I'm going to, it's way too heavy for me, but I'm going to do my best. I'm going to pick it up, I'm going to get it on my shoulders. It's going to press me to the ground. I'm going to be paralyzed under its weight. It is too heavy for me to bear. All right, now, reset the scene. Same boulder, and now I'm going to pick it up, but this time when I pick it up, I'm on Mars, and Mars doesn't have gravity. So now I'm going to pick up that same boulder, and I'm just going to toss it around like it's a balloon. And I realize that what Jesus is saying is, the difference is not in the burden. The difference is in the atmosphere in which you carry the burden. So here's what we're going to be talking about together all day today. How do you move out of carrying the weight of life in your flesh and into carrying the weight of life in the spirit, and it will make all the difference. Jesus says, my burden is light. And so that's, that's where we're going as we begin to talk about the concept of altered. Uh, I know that A-L-T-A-R is a noun, but over the years, as the Lord, over the decades, as the Lord has been and continues to build these concepts into my life that I'm gonna share with you today, uh, he, one day he began to say, the altar, that's the place where you lay it down, you give it over. Once you place something on the altar, it's no longer yours. It has changed ownership. God has taken possession of it, and he's going to change it altogether. The scripture says in the Old Testament in describing the tabernacle, he says, whatever touches the altar becomes holy. And what that means is whatever touches the altar has become God's possession, set aside for his use. 
So as we, as we begin to talk about the altars in our lives, where we're going to lay down our flesh, and our flesh that has held us back before, that has weighed us down in the past, it is going to become holy. It's going to become for, uh, it's going to become set aside for God's use. And again, in the Old Testament, in the picture, in the picture language of the Old Testament, when, when the, uh, the first offerings were brought to the altar, a fire from heaven fell and consumed them. And they were no longer. And, uh, and, and we're going to see that that's exactly what happens as we begin to learn how to, turn, to, to lay our flesh down on the altar then fire from heaven will consume it and it will not be what it used to be. So here's how we're going to start out. Let's talk about flesh. Let's come together to an understanding of what we're saying when we're saying flesh, which is kind of an old-fashioned word. The old, the old school preachers used to use it. We don't talk about it that much anymore. And, and I think sometimes we have a little bit of misunderstanding what the Bible means when it's talking about flesh. So in your Bible, depending on what translation you use, you might read the word old man. That would be flesh. You might read the word carnal nature. That would be flesh. You might, use, uh, you might find the word human nature, and that would be flesh. F here's, a, here's a little quick definition of flesh. Once you're born again, see, until you're born again, you don't have anything but flesh. What it means is the places where you are operating in your life out of the power of your own personality. So before you're born again, before the Holy Spirit of God comes to dwell in you and transform you, you've got nothing but flesh. But once you're born again and, and, uh, and the Holy Spirit comes to, to uh, impart Jesus to you, then you have a new choice. You, now he, Jesus comes in and he begins to transform you from the inside out and he begins to clean out the flesh, the places where you're depending on yourself, the places where you're working from your own personality rather than from the power of the Spirit. And uh, when Jesus comes and takes up residence in you, in that part of your human makeup, that is designated spirit, that's where he comes to live. And uh, the minute his feet touch the ground, in that part of you, you are holy. There's no work left to do because he is holy. He said, you will be holy because I'm holy. So you are, you are immediately holy. And that's the aspect of you that God is relating to. Okay, so as we talk about this process that God takes us through to clean out flesh, understand that he's not doing that because you don't quite suit him, because he's trying to clean you up so he can love you more. Because when he looks at you, he doesn't, like when he looks at me, he does not say, oh, there's Jennifer, bless her heart, she tries the best she can. He says, oh, look, there's Jesus in his Jennifer form. See, once Jesus has taken up residence, that aspect of you, it's fixed. It's done. But that part of us that is spirit is encased in and lived through the part of us that's human nature. And our human nature, our human personalities, are not immediately fixed. 
they are progressively made holy. Uh, if, you, if you want to get the theological word, that would be sanctification. But he is, he is pro- progressively cleaning out our human nature so that, so that the Jesus who lives in us is what's coming through us rather than our own, uh, our, our own flesh and personality. Okay, so first of all, your flesh is... And, and so when we're born again, we all have pockets of flesh that are still operative in us. There are, some, there are some things that Jesus just, just cleansed immediately, but there are a whole lot of things that he didn't, that it's a progressive, that's a progress. So we all have these pockets of flesh that are operating. And, and I want us uh, this morning to get a really clear understanding about how to identify what is flesh. Now here's how the Lord began to teach me this. Jesus says uh, to the Pharisees one day, he's, he's, he's uh, got a lot of rule followers gathered around him, and uh, they're good rule followers, never, never met a rule they didn't like. And uh, so Jesus says to them, man, when you are around, the outside of the cup and dish is just sparkling clean. Good job on the outside, but the inside is full of mess and crud and And then he says this, once the inside is clean, the outside will also be clean. Now you see what we want to do in our flesh is get that outside cleaned up. We want to focus on behaviors, and behaviors are important. The reason that God says that behavior is a sin is because it diminishes you. So understand I'm not saying so just give up on behaviors. I'm just saying that's not where the whole focus is. We feel like, oh, if I can just work up enough willpower to manage that behavior, then I'll be, then I'll be holy, then I'll be free. But here's what happens. When we manage our behaviors in the power of our own willpower, sometimes we do get rid of a behavior, but it has a root and it pops up somewhere else. The, first John says, if, if we confess our sins... He is faithful and just, and he will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Two things. And it tells us that there are two problems for which we need a Savior. There's the problem of the sins we commit. And because we have committed sins, our relationship with a holy God has been broken and someone has to pay the debt we owe, and Jesus paid it all. But then there's the second problem. There's the problem of the unrighteousness that causes us to commit those sins. The sins we commit and the unrighteousness that causes us to commit them. God has designed a salvation for us that takes care of both problems. But sometimes we quit at the sins we commit and don't understand that God is doing a deep work to uproot the unrighteousness that causes us to commit them. So we all have patterns that our flesh follows. And yours don't look like mine and mine don't look like yours. We have have patterns that our flesh follows, behaviors, Thought patterns, responses, emotions, actions. 
and, and there are, they, are, they are things that we have watched in our lives long enough to say, this keeps messing up my relationships. This keeps uh, standing in the way of me being all I can be. This keeps, uh, th this keeps me from living in a, uh, in, a, in a clean conscience where I can live in that kind of freedom. And so we say to ourselves, okay, I will never do that again. And then just go ahead and tell me what happens. <laughs> you do that again. Okay, and then that gives the enemy the opportunity to say, oh, you, you loser, God is surely disappointed in you. And here's the deal. That's what happens when we do our very best to manage behaviors, but we don't let the Holy Spirit deal with the root that is producing them. So when, we talk, when, I, when I show you what I mean by altered, you're going to see that God has a strategy that he is and has always been using to uproot the root of unrighteousness that produces the behaviors we call sin. Unrighteousness, unrighteous roots produce a fruit called sin. And, uh, and, and God wants to purify our lives because he wants us free. Again, not because he doesn't quite like you how you are, not because you're a disappointment to him, but because he wants you free. And he paid a high price for you to be free. So he wants you to experience all of that freedom. So, okay, so let's begin to talk about how you start identifying where flesh is operative in your life, okay? And as I, as I mentioned, we have different patterns that our flesh follows. And as we start to identify some of these, it'll be quite possible that you will look back in generations and see that strain of flesh because it, some, some strains of flesh come to us generations strong. And, uh, and here's how we, uh, and so we start identifying flesh when we see those patterns of thought, behavior, attitudes, responses, emotions that we've already seen do not produce, uh, do not move us forward in the spirit. Here's what Jesus said about flesh. Flesh profits nothing. It doesn't move you forward. It doesn't get you anywhere. It doesn't add anything to your life. It's just spinning your wheels. And, uh, and so you, the Holy, I trust the Holy Spirit to be speaking directly to each one of us, including me, to, say to, to begin to say to us, that's just flesh. And, uh, and, and here's how you start to recognize flesh. Again, it's something that you repeat over and over again. There, let's say you have a flesh pattern of, um, of feeling like you are not as good as everybody else. Now, the things that happen out here, conversations, events, relationships, situations, things that happen out here cause your flesh to engage. Okay, so these things might all be different, but they keep engaging the same flavor of flesh. Making sense or no? You see what I'm saying? Let's say you have a flesh pattern of, uh, uh, of anger. All these things out here, all different, but same flesh. Okay, so you begin to go, huh, that must be a pattern. 
That must be one of the patterns my, my flesh follows. And it never gets me anywhere. I call it flim-flam flesh. Your flesh will make promises it will never keep. As that, as that flesh pattern begins to exert itself, let's say, you have a, let's say that flesh pattern is anger and, and the need to just correct everything and correct everyone. So, you've, so what, something's going on that engages that flesh, and inside your emotions are saying, if you don't speak out and, and correct everyone, they'll never know that you're right and they're wrong. <laughs> you just have to. And when you do it this time, everyone who hears you will say, yes, you're right. But does flesh ever keep its promises? Never does. Doesn't move you forward. You, so so you, you begin to recognize that you have patterns that your particular flesh follows. Now, in the past, perhaps you have said, well, that's just who I am. You know, that's just my personality. Take it or leave it. Now, the Lord is saying that maybe used to be who you are, but it's not who you are now. And, uh, and it's, just, uh, it's just an immediate response that you give no thought to. It seems like the right response for the moment. Somebody says something and your defensive flesh engages. And should the Holy Spirit begin to say, mm, that's just flesh, you would, say, you would perhaps say, well, I mean, anybody would react like that. Didn't you hear what she said? You see, it, seem, our, it seems in the moment like the flesh response is the response to have because we're just used to it. But the Holy Spirit is going to get way up in your business and he's going to begin to say to you, that's just flesh. And here's what Paul says about flesh. That's what he's really talking about in those passages in Romans 5, 6, 7, where he's saying, what I want to do, I don't do, and what I don't do, that's what I do. And I try to obey the law, and I can't find a way to obey the law. And then he says, but now I've discovered there's the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And, uh, so that, but he's talking about flesh. He's talking about trying his best to be holy according to the law given it all he's got, and failing every time. That's how our flesh pattern feels. Maybe we get it right one or two times in a row, and we're thinking, well, I'm all good now, and then here it comes again. So that's what Paul's talking about. And he says this, he says, I feel like I'm chained to a dead body. In other words, he says, I feel like I'm just dragging dead weight. That's what your flesh patterns are. They're just dead weight. And Jesus, who loves you so much, says to you, my child, I don't want you to drag around dead weight. So let's start identifying flesh. Now let me give you a couple of illustrations from my own life, um, or let's say from someone I know. <laughs> okay, just for example, because I want you to see that when we're talking about flesh, we're not necessarily talking about behaviors that you would consider a great big sin, okay? So, for example, I'm driving along in a busy interstate and someone rudely cuts in front of me in traffic and makes me have to slam on my brakes and gives me a moment of, of, of fear. 
And immediately, in my own mind, and perhaps in my own car, I go into a little tirade. Who do you think you are? Would you just pay attention to your driving? By the way, the other driver does not hear my tirade and is not corrected by it. And the other thing, by the way, when I'm the driver who cuts in front, I expect a grace. But anyway, <laughs> so I go into, in, in my mind, I just get myself all in a tizzy over that. And I get where I'm going, perhaps, and I share with uh, all the, the other people around me, and they're like, I know, I hate when that happens. And pretty soon we've just got a whole flesh party going on. And what you, now, nobody is going to say to me, well, that's just terrible. How sinful of you. Nobody's going to say that. But Jesus is going to say, hey, that's just flesh. You don't have to drag around that dead weight. And, and what you could do instead of letting a situation like that trigger anger, you could let it trigger prayer. What if, what if God says, I just wanted to be sure that that person came to the attention of an intercessor today. So what if you let it trigger prayer? Now, it doesn't change really anything except how I experience the moment. And when I realize that that is just flesh and I don't have to drag it around anymore, I might realize that if I have that kind of flesh in a small moment, I might have it in a bigger moment. I, if I have flesh that thinks that no one should inconvenience me, that, 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 that no one should make their mistakes around me, then I probably have that flesh somewhere else. So if I can begin to die to it in the small moments, when I come to the big moments, I'll be in an altered state. If I put, put that flesh on the altar, uh, where, where I really first, the Lord, where, the, where the Lord first really began to cause me to see this process, when I was, uh, before, I was uh, before I was married, I, was, uh, I had very defensive flesh. Like, I could read an insult a mile away. <laughs> if you said to me, your hair looks nice today, I would say, what was wrong with my hair yesterday? <laughs> I knew. I could always read the, under, the undercurrents of a, of a conversation and read insult into it, and I was very defensive and do not even think of giving me any kind of advice or correction, because I would read that as a criticism. And so when I married my sweet husband, Wayne, uh, my husband had sort of a flesh pattern of being critical. And uh, he thought that the most loving thing he could ever do for me was fix all my flaws, <laughs> of which he found several. <laughs> And so defensive flesh married to, married to critical flesh set off quite a flesh match. But the Lord began to show me. You see, it, it's not free to walk around being on the defense all the time. It's not free. And, if, and the Lord says, don't see, because here's how I'm praying. Make him stop. <laughs> Make him not be so mean. And he was never mean, by the way. <laughs> and, uh, and the Lord began to say to me, stop praying about that. That's between me and Wayne. You just let me do what I'm doing in you. When, when, you, when your flesh begins to exert itself with those feelings of anger and defensiveness and how dare you, and you feel compelled to defend and show why you are right and, and he is wrong, 
just don't and die to that flesh. And, and, the, and here's the trick, here's the thing the Lord began to show me way back then. When this thing happens that hurts my feelings or causes me to feel offended or makes me fearful, whatever it does, when this thing happens and, and it comes from a person, then I say to the Lord, I heard, uh, I heard a criticism, Lord, what did you hear? And it changes everything. And, uh, and, and over the years of our, of our marriage, my husband passed away 12 years ago, but we were married for 26 years. Over the years of our marriage, bo both of our flesh patterns began to, began to be dealt with, and, and he was, in the, from, and from the beginning, was a wonderful human, so I don't want to leave you with the impression that he was mean, because he wasn't, but I'm just saying the Lord is so strategic about your flesh pattern that he wants you free from, that he has put personality types and events and situations in your life on purpose to engage your flesh. Now see what, what engages my flesh might not even show up on your radar screen. What engages your flesh I may never even notice in my own life. We have our own brand of flesh and God knows how to engage it and he strategically engages your flesh. Now I know you, if you're like me, I made a lot of suggestions to God as I began to realize this, saying to him, if you would not let those people in my life, I would not get all fleshy. <laughs> but see, here's the problem. If anything out here can engage your flesh, then you have uncrucified flesh that God needs to set you free from. And, uh, and so he has strategically organized the very things that will engage your anger or your frustration or your insecurities or your whatever your flesh does. And, uh, and the purpose is to reveal flesh. He, he has a strategy to expose flesh because flesh is in there and even if we don't recognize it, it's wreaking havoc because the flesh wars against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And so it's in there waging war, but if nothing happens out here to engage it, see, let's say I have a, let's say I have a, a flesh pattern of anger, but nobody out here, nothing out here ever happens to make me mad. Then I will think, my, what a sweet-tempered person I am, you see. And so it doesn't do us any good to not recognize what our flesh is. Because this way, as the Holy Spirit begins to redefine the moments for you. Remember, before you had the moment and you thought, somebody else's fault, if she just wouldn't do that, we'd all be fine. Or you thought, that, well, that's just my personality. If you're going to love me, love that. Or however you describe it. But now the Holy Spirit is beginning to say, mm, but that's just flesh and you don't have to drag that dead weight around. So, so here's how you die to flesh. Because that's the only way to take care of flesh. Flesh has to die and it has to die the death of a crucifixion. The scripture tells us over and over again, uh, throughout especially Paul's teachings, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, the new I lives. 
And, and over and over again, this, the scripture tells us that that flesh, those patterns of flesh, have to die a crucifixion death. Now, it's not your crucifixion. It's the crucifixion of Jesus that has already taken care of it. Uh, the scripture tells us uh, in Paul's writings that when Jesus died, your old man died with him. Old man, that's your flesh. But here's what you and I do. We keep it on automatic life support. We breathe some life back into it. And, uh, and, and so what, what we're after is letting the Holy Spirit identify for us a flesh pattern and teaching us how to die to it when it raises its ugly head. Okay, so here's how you die to flesh once the Holy Spirit has begun to, uh, has begun to identify it for you. You don't do the flesh thing. If your flesh needs to have the last word, do not have the last word. And remember that it's flim-flam flesh. So it's not going to go down easy, and, and your flesh is going to be in the background saying, remember how well I've served you in the past. <laughs> and you're going to go, yeah, really not. <laughs> but uh, it, it's not going to be easy. It's a crucifixion death, and there's nothing about a crucifixion that's sweet or easy. It's messy and bloody and painful, and the deeper that pattern is, the bloodier it is. But you've got, now you have the understanding. Now you're seeing it from God's point of view. Now you're saying, that is just flesh, and I don't have to be drug around by my flesh, or I don't have to drag around the, the burden of my flesh. So in this moment, when my flesh starts to, uh, starts to engage, and I now recognize what it is, I am going to alter it. We're going to take the noun alter, A-L-T-A-R, and we're going to turn it into a verb in our lives because it's not a passive place. We're going to, we're going to choose in that moment to surrender to crucifixion. Here's what the scripture says of Jesus. He, he says, uh, nobody takes my life from me. I lay it down by my own choice. And when you reach what I call a crucifixion moment, which is a moment when flesh is raising its ugly head and now you recognize it for what it is, crucifixion moment, you choose. Are we going to act in our flesh one more time and strengthen its hold on us or are we going to alter it? Are we going to just put it on the altar and let God take, uh, transform it? And, and so you, you alter your flesh or you surrender your flesh to crucifixion by not doing the thing your flesh demands, okay? Now, this thing that happened out here that engaged your flesh, it might be wrong, but it's not your problem. Your problem is that it found flesh to engage. So that's what we want to do is we want to say, well, <laughs> and God's saying, yeah, that's between me and her. You're, but it found flesh to engage, and I love you so much, I want you free of that flesh. Okay, so some, some of our flesh reveals itself through our behaviors, but it first comes to us as an emotion or a thought pattern. And you can't keep that from coming, but you can keep from nurturing it. You can keep from throwing your arms around it and inviting it in for a cup of coffee. 
you can begin to say, okay, that emotion or that thought or that, res that response inside of me, that feels real to me. That feels like the truth to me. But the Holy Spirit is showing me that it's just flesh. So even though I feel it, even though it presents itself to me in, a, in all its strength, I don't have to ask, I don't have to act from it. That doesn't have to be the source from which I act. So now we're back to, here's what I see in the moment, Lord. This is what feels true to me, but what do you see in this moment? How can I lay down my flesh? Now, I guarantee you that um, in this room, every single one of us has at least one person in our lives who reliably engages our flesh. It's like it's their job. <laughs> you can, uh, perhaps there are people, someone who calls you and you can look at that caller ID and you can say, this could well engage my flesh. <laughs> that person is strategically in your life. Not because God wants to frustrate you, because he wants to free you. So here's what perhaps happens. Perhaps the person who engages your flesh you, you, and, you and he or she, I'm going to just say she, but it could be either gender. You and, you and she have, a, have had so many flesh battles, you can't even recount them. And perhaps uh, that flesh battle has ruined many a family holiday. But what happens is, she does the thing, whatever that is. She makes the face, or gives the criticism, or redoes your work, or whatever it is. She does the thing that engages your flesh. And always before in all your life, 100% of the time, it has always worked. Your flesh has always engaged. Very likely, what she's doing is coming from her brand of flesh. So here's what's happening. Your flesh is responding to her flesh, and then her flesh is responding back to your flesh, and then your flesh is going after her, and you've got a flesh battle going on, and nobody gets anywhere. Nobody changes because of it. No, nothing moves forward because of it, because flesh prospers nothing. And so now, that you can anticipate even in advance that here, here's a relationship that often gets my flesh going. Uh, so before I go, I'm going to just go ahead and die to my flesh. I'm going to just go ahead and ask you, Holy Spirit, to show me how the moment should be understood and let me respond as you, not as my flesh. And little by little, that flesh is going to die. Now, here's the good news about a crucifixion. It produces a resurrection. The only way to get to resurrection is to walk through a crucifixion. So when you begin to recognize that the, that the Spirit of God is working hard in your life on a certain pattern of your flesh, you can rejoice, you can look at it for the joy set before you, for what the crucifixion is going to produce as resurrection. When God has zeroed in on something in your life by putting an irritant in your, in, in, your, in your circumstances. And so he's zeroed in on a pattern of flesh that you never recognized before. It's because right there, 
that's where he has resurrection power ready to break forth. And it takes a crucifixion to get a resurrection. So during those moments where we have to be deliberate and we have to say, I will not serve my flesh. My flesh gets me nowhere. I will not serve my flesh. That flesh is on the cross. Holy Spirit, you do this moment for me. And, and pretty soon, you're, or not pretty soon, sometimes it takes, a, takes quite a while, but that flesh has to stay on the, the cross until resurrection begins to take up. And here's how resurrection looks. This thing out here that always, 100%, every single time, always engaged your flesh, happens just like it always has, and it finds no flesh to engage. Now you're in resurrection. Now you're free. A, a, a gentleman emailed me one time after, a, after an altered weekend, and he said, um, he, said, for all, he said, I'm in my 50s, and for all my life, my mother and I could not be in the same place without being in some kind of an argument. And he said, this last Thanksgiving, my sisters pulled me aside and said, what in the world is going on? And he said, well, what do you mean? Well, you and mom have been sitting there four hours and nothing has erupted. And he said, I realized this. Before, I was an empty soda can. And everywhere she pushed, I dented. But now I am a full soda can. And she can push and push and push and I don't dent. You see, that's the freedom. That's the freedom God wants for us. He is not going to change all the situations in your life that, are, that, that cause you difficulty. He's not going to change all those. He's going to use all those to bring you more freedom. Now, I want to tell you that now, remember that I started out with a strong strain of defensive flesh, and the Lord uh, has worked crucifixion into my life in that area, and now... You cannot, it would be very hard for you to offend me. Now, don't take that on as your project, but <laughs> I'm hard to offend. If you say something to me that sounds offensive, unless you say, I mean it how it sounds, I'm going to say, oh, she didn't mean that how it sounded. <laughs> and can I tell you something? It's for your, I don't have to always be offended. And, uh, and, and every single thing that God is working in your life right now, he's working in your life to free you. Now, here's how the process is going to look. As God begins to retrain you and, and, and show you where, where flesh is, is being engaged and flesh is active and he wants to clean out that root, here's what will first happen. You'll be all the way through a whole flesh attack and you'll go, oh, that was just my flesh. My flesh ran that show. Now, that should not feel like a failure to you. Because before, you would have looked back and said, she made me do it. But now you have completely redefined the moment. Now you're not looking at all the outside causes and, and blaming them. Now you're just going, oh, I recognize my flesh. So that is a huge step forward. Now, the next step is going to be, you're going to be in the middle of a flesh attack when you go, oh, look what I'm doing, and you're going to stop. And you're in, the, in your inner person, you're going to step back, and you're going to go, Holy Spirit, take it from here. I'll, I'll give apologies where needed, and then you take it from here. And then 
you're going to get to the point where the Holy Spirit has trained you so much to recognize how your flesh operates that before you go into a situation that is likely to engage flesh, you're going to just recognize that. And you're going to go, my enemy will, will try as hard as he can to engage my flesh, and I'm just saying to you, Holy Spirit, right now, let's not go there. And, and you recognize it even before it happens. And then the day comes when you've moved out of crucifixion and into resurrection. And whatever used to engage your flesh just doesn't even matter anymore. And you are free. So it's, it, that is, that's where we're going. We're going to freedom. Whatever it is that you've been thinking about this morning, that's that thing that you just keep doing that you don't want to do and you just try as hard as you can not to, I think that God is going to begin to work in your life in a different way. And, uh, and, and, you're, and you're going to begin to, to take the emphasis off. Again, I'm not saying just behave however you want to, but you're going to take the emphasis off the behavior and let the Holy Spirit change what produces the behavior. And that is going to make you free. When we have our focus on the behavior, there are several things that happen. Number one, it engages our flesh in the form of heart, trying harder to do what only God can do. And number two, it opens up the opportunity for the enemy to give, bring condemnation. When you do it again, here's the enemy ready to plant into your mind, see, you're such a loser, right? And, uh, and so, so we're going to let God deal with our behaviors. We're going we're to use our God-empowered willpower not to engage in harmful behaviors that God has shown us our, our sin in our lives, but that's not where our focus is going to be. Our focus is going to be the unrighteousness that produces the behavior. When we confess our sins, He is faithful and just, and He will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So as we close this morning, this evening we'll pick up from there and we'll begin to look at what resurrection looks like. And, uh, and, and I think that's going to be the key to understanding crucifixion is to get your eyes off of crucifixion and onto resurrection. So we'll talk about that tonight.